take a seat. Why don't you give someone a hug or an air hug or a high five or an air five or whatever you're comfortable with. And thank you again. Thank you so much for coming and being here at church this morning. We appreciate it. Um, Just a couple of announcements real quick for you. Um, First of all, if you are a first time guest, make sure that you stop over at the Welcome Center, that very um, welcoming young man out there, uh, Ken, uh, Ken, Ken Strong, is waiting for you with a smile, I'm sure, and so make sure to, uh, you drop off a card with him, <laughs> and uh, we we're, thank you so much for coming. Um, also, if you're interested in becoming a member of Taylor Christian, we have a sign-up sheet in the back, and we're going to have our membership class coming up on Saturday, January 22nd at 10 a.m. There will be food, not to bribe you to become a member, but there will be food, and it should be a lot of fun. And you'll learn about um, the church, um, Big C, the church, the little church, us, and then you'll also learn about our, our values and whatnot. And so um, I encourage you, if you're not a member, we'd love to have you become one. And then um, also next Sunday, we're going to have some fun here at the church. We're going to have our Christmas teardown. Oh, so we're going to be taking down the tree. We're going to be taking down the pews. No, just kidding. Taking down the tree, taking down the stuff, and uh, we're going to order some food. And so if you want to hang out with us next Sunday after church, we'd love for you to be there. So with that said, I'm going to call the ushers forward. We're going to bless the Lord with our tithes and offerings, and we, have, we appreciate your faithful giving. And you can give here in person, or you can give online as well. Um, and so, God, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to be here in your presence, God. We just pray for... Um, you to move and for you to bless this offering. I pray that it'll go to further your kingdom and that it'll go to uh, change lives and reach people all over the world, Father. We, we thank you for your goodness and we ask these things in your holy name. Amen. Amen. If you got your Bibles with me, why don't you turn real quick to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. So, We've actually been going through our core values as a church. I'm going to move this out just a little bit. Yep. Hopefully it doesn't fall over. We've been talking about our core values as a church. And so whether you've been here a short time or you've been here for a little bit of time, um, every January we like to take some time and talk about our core values. And so it's kind of a good refresher for those of you who, who've been with us for a while. And for those of you who have not been with us very long at all, you get to learn about what we're all about. And so... Um, Last week we talked about um, we talked about faith, and we um, we had some fun talking about that. And we talked about Enoch in the Bible. We took a trek through uh, Genesis and through the Book of Hebrews, and we talked about uh, faith being the assurance of things hoped for. And uh, we talked about how faith is such an important part of who we are. And today we're going to talk about community. But these are our four core values. And so, if, if you guys want to repeat after me, faith, community, worship. And evangelism. One more time. Faith, community, worship, and evangelism. Now say it in your best Darth Vader voice, okay? Faith, community, worship. I, I'm terrible at this. And evangelism, okay. Faith, community, worship, and evangelism. And so um, today we're talking about community. So I'm excited about that. You can stop talking in the Vader voice now. Um, uh, and so, if you have, again, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. It says this, it says, Therefore, brethren and sisterin, is that a word? 
sister, brethren and sister, the brothers and sisters, therefore brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by the living and new way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Amen? Is that exciting news this morning, that we can enter his presence with boldness? Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest uh, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That's good, isn't it? And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So going back up to verse 22, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Can you look to your neighbor and say, he's faithful? Look to your other neighbor and say, he's faithful. Look to your neighbor and say, I can enter his presence with boldness. Because he is faithful without wavering. Because he is faithful. And let us consider one another, in, uh, and let us consider one another in order to stir up uh, love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more, as we see the day, capital D, the day approaching. Lord, we just uh, ask you this morning to speak to us in a new way, in an exciting way, Father. I just pray that you'll minister and do what only you can do this morning, Father. I just pray that you will open our hearts and open our minds and open our souls and just just pour into us this morning, Father. Use uh, me, an imperfect vessel, to uh, bring about your word, Father. I pray that, that you'll be glorified, Father. We're here just to bring you glory and to bring you praise, God. I pray that you'll be exalted. Again, we're here to give, bring you glory and we're, we're here to give you praise, God. I pray that you will be magnified. We're here to give you glory and give you praise, Father. We just pray that you will be sitting on your throne. God, we thank you for for everything that you are, and we ask these things in your holy name. Amen. So Jesus had had, had died. Well, first of all, Jesus had come. He had died. He had resurrected. He'd gone back into heaven. And after he'd gone back into heaven, there was persecution that broke out against the church. In fact, you can read uh, in uh, the gospel of, uh, actually starting in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 7 and then Acts chapter 8, you can see that there was persecution that broke out against the church, and Saul began uh, breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, and the church was scattered. And so a lot of the people who were Christians, followers of Jesus, um, back in the first century. I'm not sure if you know this or not, but a lot of people who were followers of Jesus, Jesus back in the first century because of persecution ended up kind of going back to their old ways because they did not want to experience persecution. And so instead of um, staying uh, focused on Jesus, they began to slowly go back to the things that they did at the beginning and they started to um, backslide and they started to move back and they started to the fire started to kind of be smoldered and they, 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 they were, you know, this is more comfortable over here. So because there's persecution over here, we're just going to go back over here. And so, so here, this, this writer of Hebrews, 
he was a Hebrew who was writing to other Hebrews, uh, telling them to stop acting like Hebrews. Okay? And so, again, the church was facing persecution. They were slipping back. They were going back to their old rituals. And um, they were try- there, there was persecution. They were going back to the, what, the, what they once knew. And so here the writer of Hebrews is talking to uh, his listeners. And he is uh, comparing and contrasting with them the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In fact, if you go through the book of Hebrews and you read it, it's, 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 it's astounding when you see the connections that he makes between the Old, Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And he's, he's kind of encouraging them in the face of persecution, in the face of um, distraction, to be faithful. How many of you guys know there are people right now that are distracted? Amen? There are people right now that are facing persecution. There are people right now that are, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're kind of sliding back to their own ways. And, and so when I read this, I feel like, man, this, this passage of Scripture, although it was written about 2,000 years ago, still has application for us today and, and, and still speaks truth to us today. So here he is, the writer of, of the book of Hebrews, and he's writing to his audience And he says in verse 19, therefore, and whenever you see the the word therefore, you know it's there for a specific reason. But he says therefore, and he he talks about, he talks about, um, uh, he talks about being able to, having boldness, being able to enter the the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And he says three different things. Um, In fact, if you look at in verse 22, he says, let us do three different things. If you look at it, verse 22 says, let us draw near. In verse 23, he says, let us hold fast. And in verse 24, he said, let us consider. So let us draw near, let us hold fast, and let us consider. Can, can you guys say that with me? Let us draw near, let us hold fast, let us consider. Let's say it one more time. Let us draw near, let us hold fast, and let us consider. So it's interesting. A lot of times when, um, if you're a writer or if you, when you repeat things, you a lot of times repeat them for emphasis. And so if you look closely, you can realize that he doesn't say, let me. He doesn't say, let you. Again, we're talking about community today. Today, he says, let us. Let us. Let us. So take a look at verse 22 again. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with water. Now, now for some of us, when we read that passage there, let us draw near, this might not seem incredibly significant, but this would have been a very significant statement for the people that were listening to the writer here, let us draw near. Again, you must consider that he was writing to first century Jews, uh, people that knew the process by which they had to draw near to God. In fact, it wasn't an easy task for a first century Jew. See, at one time, the tabernacle was the place where God's presence resided, and the only person who could go into the presence of the Lord was a high priest. 
and uh, he would have to go past the outer courts. He would have to go past the brazen altar. He would have to go up to the outer veil of the tabernacle, and he'd walk, have to walk into the holy place, past the inner veil with the Ark of the Covenant, and into the Holy of Holies. And it was only the high priest who could enter, and he could only enter past the inner veil into the Holy of Holies once a year on the Day of Atonement. And as a priest, so he could, it, it, so, so the high priest... And as a priest, he had to be a descendant of Aaron from the tribe of Levi. Um, he had to be a person without defect. He had to make meticulous preparations. He had to wash himself. He had to put on special clothing and bring burnt incense to let the smoke cover his eyes before, uh, from the view of, of being directly from God. And he'd have to bring blood uh, with him to make atonement for the sins. And uh, some scholars even believe that the priest would wrap a rope around his waist and that if God was angry with the sacrifice, um, there was a possibility that God would strike down the priest, and then they'd, they'd use the rope to pull the priest back out of the tabernacle. But when you think about it, it was a, only a specific person who had to follow a specific ritual, who had to be from a specific tribe, who had to wear specific clothes, who had to live a specific sort of life, who had to come at a specific time once a year on the Day of Atonement. So the idea here that he says, let us draw near would have been shocking. It would have been transformational. Because at the time, there was a specific person, specific time, specific tribe. It's like, it's kind of funny. I don't know if you, you remember when, uh, remember when I was a youth pastor, um, kids would sit down and they'd say, I'm going to write down what I want my perfect spouse to look like. So the girls would sit down and they would say, I want him to be tall, dark, handsome, like myself. Um, they would say, they would say, I want him to be uh, intelligent. I want him to be wise. I want him to be rich. I want him to be influential. I want him to be powerful. And then, yeah, if if, if he's a Christian, that's cool. But you know, they'd write down their list, and then and then and then I, I, I think girls did it more than guys. But then guys sometimes would write down their list, and it'd be like, yeah, you know, I want her to be, uh, you know, like video games and be able to burp. I don't know, like. Teenage boys just had their own, um, their own specific requirements of what they were looking for in the girls. But I think sometimes we, we, we view God like that. We view God like only, there's only certain people that can come into his presence. You know what I'm talking about? There are only certain people, like, like there are only certain people that maybe are good enough, or there's only certain people that are, are, are great enough. There's only certain people that, that can come into his presence. Presence, and so I kind of wonder what it was like for the for the first century Jews to sit there and hear the writer say, um, "Let us draw near." That would have been crazy for them because they would have thought of God as being maybe a lot of them would have thought of God as being distant. Maybe a lot of them would have thought about him as being uh, far off. Uh, there was the separation from God and the people. And sometimes I think maybe people still view God like this. They think that. Um, he's only in the tabernacle, or he's only in church, or some place that has stained glass windows, or maybe he's only for the elect, or maybe he's only for the chosen, or maybe uh, they think that um, he's forgotten about them, or they think that he's only for the uh, righteous. Maybe they think that he's hard to attain, or far off, or, or sitting in a distant cloud somewhere. But the beautiful thing about Scripture is that we can draw near to Christ. You might look at yourself and be like, you know what, I am, um, you know, when I look at my life and I look at the depths of my sin, I think, man, 
what a wretched man am I. When I look at my life, I might look at my life and say, oh my goodness, if, if you knew the way that I messed up, if you knew the way that I hurt people, if you knew the way that I, like, like if you knew, you would know that I, I am not called into God's presence. And you know what? You're right. You're right. You, you, you are not worthy. You are not good enough. You are a sinner. Your good works are as filthy rags. But you know what? Because of Jesus' redemptive work on the cross, we can come into his presence with boldness. We can come as a community on a Sunday morning and we can come into his presence and there's altars and there's people and there's pews and we can come into his presence with boldness because of Christ's redemptive work on the cross. There's not a tabernacle somewhere where we have to go anymore. There's not a, a temple somewhere. That, but, but, but Christ came and tabernacled among us so that we can draw near to him. We can draw near to him. I love that. Let us draw near. Can you look at your neighbor and say, let us draw near? Now say it like you really mean it. Mean it. Let us draw near. Let us draw near. When we can, we can draw near with boldness. But if you keep on reading, he says... Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. So let us draw near, and then let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is sometimes faithful. For he who promised doesn't keep his word. For he who promised is a lot. No, because he who promised is faithful. You know, I think hope, hope is this. Hope is the confidence that God will fulfill his promises. Let me say that again. Hope is the confidence that God will fulfill his promises. Hope is the confidence that God will fulfill his promises. There are certain uh, hopes that we have that might be uncertain. Man, I hope mom makes spaghetti tonight. Man, I hope I pass my driving test. Man, I hope the Lions beat the Packers today at one. (laughs) Uncertain. Okay, man, I hope I have enough money to make it till payday. Man, I hope my kids behave. Man, I hope, uh, I hope, uh, I don't know, I don't even know, I don't even know what to say. Like, Like, there are some things that we have, certain hopes that we have that are uncertain. But this is a hope that we can have that God will fulfill his promises. In fact, the, the Greek word here for, for hope is the word uh, elpis. And elpis is actually connected. It's, it's mentioned a couple different times throughout the book of Hebrews. But probably the clearest picture of this hope is found in Hebrews chapter 6. Where he says this. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses, 12, or verses 19 through 20, he says, This hope that we have as an anchor to our soul is both sure and steadfast and which enters the presence behind the veil. This hope we have, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Let's go back to verse 19 again. Let's read that again. It says, this hope we have. Did you know that you have a hope? You have a hope. This hope is the confidence that God will fulfill his promises. This hope we have as an anchor of, of the soul, both sure and steadfast. How many of you guys know when life is 
crazy? When life is insane, it's nice to have something to hold on to. It's, it's very nice. When, when you're sitting on your deathbed and when you can have a smile on your face because you know the hope to which you hold on to. When, again, when your bank account is empty and you can have this hope in Jesus. You know, when life blows you to the left and to the right, you have this anchor. Uh, Without an anchor, you can drift into the weeds. Without an anchor, you can drift into the deep. Without an anchor, you can get tossed around. But we have this anchor that is anchored in Jesus. Hope is the confidence that God will fulfill his promises. Now, it's interesting. I'd never seen this before, and I've, I've talked from this passage of Scripture a couple times, but I've never seen this. I never really looked at this before. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Can you look at your neighbor and say confession of your hope? Confession of your hope. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. It's interesting because the, the NIV says it like this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. When you confess and when you profess, it's something that is meant to be audible. Right? Again, you've got to remember the context of the passage of Scripture. When you, when you know the context, you can enjoy the content. Okay? So, so he's telling them that they need to be audible. They need to be vocal in confessing and professing their hope. Okay? So got, again, you've got to remember, they, he was talking to first century Jews that were facing persecution. They were facing persecution because of their beliefs in Jesus Christ. And he's talking, and so, so, so if you can imagine, um, these people, if they profess, if they confess Jesus, it, would mean, it could mean death, it could mean being tortured. Um, there was a, uh, a, a, a saint in um, the first century church that was actually boiled in a pot alive. Um, it could mean all sorts of different things. It could mean, mean, it could mean being crucified. It could mean being crucified upside down. It could mean being filleted. It could be like it was very dangerous to profess and confess your face, at, your, fa- your, face your faith at that time. So I can imagine maybe a first century Christian hearing this in the face of persecution and thinking, you know, We've been facing a lot of persecution lately. People are are dying uh, because of their faith. It's getting kind of uncomfortable. I will will follow Jesus, this character Jesus, but, but perhaps I will follow him secretly. Perhaps I will follow him quietly. Perhaps I will follow him low-key. There's a lot of craziness out there. I think I, think I will follow him low-key. Or here, here's, here's here, here, here. what about, what about this instead? What about if, 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 if when I see the, the people that are professing and confessing, instead of 
instead of me doing the same thing, I, I, will, I will clap very quietly from the sidelines. Or I will hit the like emoji and then go away. But he's saying to the church, no. Let us confess. Let us profess. Let us speak up about the confession of our hope. Right? And I wonder, move that to today, I wonder how many of us have been silent. I wonder how many of us have not confessed or professed our hope. Listen, we can have boldness to come together because of what Jesus has done on the cross. We can have boldness to draw near to Jesus. Amen? Praise the Lord. And we can also have boldness. Let us come together and confess and and profess and proclaim our hope. There's, there's, like, like, I, think sometimes, I think sometimes we get excited about um, what's happening on around us or we get scared about what's happening and we become silent. But as a body of believers, God has called us to confess and profess our hope. Community. There's power in community. God is not looking for people that are, uh, that are wanting to hide in the margins, but God has called us to hold fast to the confession of our hope because he who promised is faithful. Keep on reading. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. You think about it. It's it's hard to stir up one another um, if you're not with each other. He says, listen, let us consider one another in order to stir up uh, love and good works, not for sake uh, the assembling of ourselves together. Now, now, now again, uh, you, you think about who he's writing to and him telling them that they still needed to meet together would have been kind of dangerous and kind of crazy and kind of insane because the church was getting persecuted. The church was getting killed. The church was getting martyred. The church was getting crucified and boiled in pots. But he's like, hey, listen, you need to continue to meet together and assemble together as is the manner, uh, uh, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Let us consider one another, not forsaking the assembling of of ourselves together. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. I think about how our church was started some, man, what was it, uh, 70 years ago or something like that, and how it started over at Home Depot, and there was a revival, and people came over here, and someone used their insurance money, which was just enough money to build the basement, and how, you know, you think about the pews, and you think about all that stuff, and it's like, oh my goodness, it's so, and then we built out here in the 70s, and the expansion, and everything else, and you think about our rich heritage as a church, but really when you think about it, the, the church really isn't the building, is it? The church is about us coming together, 
So whether we, we met here together, or we met over at Craig and Kristen's house together, or whether we met, um, I don't know, over at uh, Lisa's house together, the church is when we come together. In fact, the, the word church, ecclesia, means people that are called out, people that come out. Um, but you know what's crazy? I feel like um, God has called us together, but the enemy is always trying to draw us apart. God has called us together, but the enemy is always trying to draw us apart. Man, I got to be honest. So, and hopefully this isn't too insane for you guys, but um, the last couple years have been a little insane because of all of the divisiveness in the world. You know, I get people that who call me and uh, they say, um, I remember uh, actually about a year ago, year and a half ago, people who called me and said, hey, listen, if, if people are doing this, I, I'll never come back to church again. I said, oh, okay. And then I had people on the other side of the issue saying, hey, if people are doing this, I'm never coming back to church again. Right? And, and it's, it, it's been crazy over the last year. And, a half. and in fact, I think that they said over, since churches have reopened, the, the church in America, they said that a third of the church has not come back, which is crazy. Third of the church, that's a lot of people. But what I think the enemy is doing, and he's been doing this from the beginning of time, and he's a creature who just has the same, he has the same algorithm. He has the same, the same thing that he does over and over and over again. What he does, first of all, is first of all, he separates us. He separates us. It could be a major issue. It could be a small issue, whatever. But um, I have had people uh, get upset about things that seem very small, very almost insignificant. But the first thing that the enemy does is I feel like he separates us. It's like separating the, the, the weak and the herd or separating the flock like he separates us. The second thing that I think he does is after he separates us, he silos us. And what happens is nine times out of 10, what I have seen is when people get disconnected from the body of Christ, eventually they get disconnected from Christ himself. Like there, there is power when we come together. There's power in our unity. It might feel like there's, you know, uh, the enemy's attacking, the enemy's going after us, the enemy's, but listen, the Lord has called us to come together. I mean, that's why we do what we do on Sundays. We come together because where two or three are gathered, he's here in our midst, Amen. We come together. It's something cool about when you come together. Like, like I don't know if you guys saw any of the, like, uh, the, the NBA when they didn't have any of the fans. You're watching the games, and it just seemed kind of lame. But, but there's something cool when we come together. There's some type of power when we come together. God has called us to be a group of believers that is about community. There's something special about when we come together on Wednesday nights and uh, we, we read through uh, the, the Bible and we, we eat food and we make fun of each other. There's something special about community. There's something special about the youth group when they get together, all those homeschoolers, and they get together and, and, and Nate uh, has fun with them. And there's something special about community. And there's something, uh, I think, that there's something that people are missing when they're not connected with the body of believers. And the worship team, come back up. Community. Community, it's so important to us. It's uh, such a, a big core value to us. Um, it's something that 
man, it can, it can transform us and change us. Um, we are better together than we are alone. I think the enemy wants to separate and silo and cut off and divide, but we're better together than we are alone. God has called us through the power of his scripture to draw near. Let us draw near. Not just you, not just me, but let us together as a body of believers draw near. Let us hold fast the confession, the profession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but extorting one another, and so much more as we see the day, the Lord's return. Because someday he's going to be returning on a cloud. As we see the day approaching. Lord, right now I just pray for this church, for this body of believers, for this ecclesia who've been called out. God, we've been called out for such a time as this. God, let us not waver, but God, let us enter your presence with boldness. Let us come together as a group and let us draw near to you. Let us hold fast to the profession of our hope. And let us consider. God, as we sing this song uh, one last time, may you be glorified and may you be magnified. In your holy name.